If you liked hearing Keith Powell and Ricky Robinson provide secrets on negotiating for total compensation, dealing with microaggressions, or simply being able to just be your authentic self, then welcome to season two of Secrets. Are you one of the only on your job? Do you wonder why the same type of people continue getting promotions? Have you dreamed of getting to the top but don't know how? Welcome to Secrets Season 2, a podcast devoted to showcasing dilemmas faced by underrepresented employees in their quest to climb the career ladder. Your hosts, Keith Powell and Ricky Robinson, have experienced the corporate grind for more than 20 years. Now they want to share their adventures, pitfalls, and C-suite secrets that they've learned along the way. So let's fill up those cups and get started. Here are your hosts. Hey, everybody, welcome to season two of Secrets. We're a month into 2021 and hope your year's been off to a great start. My year is getting off to a really, really good start. First off, I mean, Trey Houston came with that hot fire on that new music. You know, I'm still bumping and bobbing my head to that. Then we got, you know, our sister Tori who came with that cool intro. Yeah, she brought it. She brought it. Hey, man, we're going to keep working with them. That's right. We're going to try and bring you more hot fire this season. So, Ricky, so what's up? What's up? What's going on? What's going on this year? Well, look, man, doing our uh, small hiatus from uh, season one, looks like the gift of relevant content just keeps on giving. Yeah, it does. (laughs) You know, we had the election, you know, in Georgia where we had some unprecedented victories by the Democrats. You know, regardless of which side of the you sit on, you have to admit that those were some really unprecedented victories by the Democrats that are really deep on so many levels. For sure. Right? For I mean, sure. number one, I mean, we had, for the first time in Georgia, now I don't live in Georgia, but let me tell you how big this was, right? In terms of the first black man yeah, yeah. elected there. I mean, that was huge, you know, uh, for us, right? So then we also, you know, start thinking about the fact that another individual was, was elected, you know, in terms of like Jewish descent. Yeah. I mean. In the South, that's that's a big deal. It's huge. And in some other uh, states like ours, like we don't really pay too much attention to that. Do you know what I mean? Because even though we might have some struggles by way of diversity, we don't really pay too much attention to that stuff because it's not uncommon, right. <laughs> you know, for something for sure. like that, you know, to happen. But again, I think it's extremely huge. And in my opinion, I mean, Stacey Abrams, man, should be the person of the year. No doubt. You know, for everything that she did to mobilize the state and the community to change the dynamics of the political landscape. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And- Talk about content that keeps on giving. Let's not <laughs> forget about the insurrection at the Capitol. Was that some crazy shit or what? Man. And, you know, and really, that's, I mean, that was the culmination of years of just all this toxic rhetoric that was going on. And then to, like, cap it, it was just, like, Trump's inability to just accept defeat and just kind of professionally just hand that leadership over to Biden and Harris, right? But but my man is not trying to take an L. Not at okay? all. But you not know, like we, we've seen this over history, man, where the dominant society, the dominant leaders 
will try not to take an L at all costs. Not at all. Not at like, all. Like, I don't That's care right. what type of, like, nonsense we got to spill, recount, recount again. That's right. <laughs> hand, hand count. Yeah, you know, that way. We didn't use our toes the last time. We're going to start using our toes to right. count this time, right? <laughs> I mean, but, you know, all of those things. But it was one of those things when you start thinking about the insurrection, right? I was watching it on the news. Like, I just kind of had the TV on mute because I usually don't work with the TV on. Yeah. And I start watching something. I'm like, what is they, going on? Well, I'm saying they're getting awfully close to the to the gates, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And then you know, and then you start thinking in your mind because I'm on the call and I'm like, just just kind of silent about. It. I'm like, now, if that would have been somebody else getting close over there, man, they would have had snipers out. They would have had all, all of, kinds like, of that stuff. stuff, right? All kinds of stuff. But you know, but that also brings me like to the inauguration that just occurred. Okay, and although the outgoing president did not attend the event, which you know we're we're happy he didn't. Okay, the stain of his behavior and the actions are going to stay with us for for quite a while. Yeah, right. Like that stench will be around for for others in government and in corporate to clean up and find a way to right the wrongs that have been in existence since. The beginning of time. Yeah, for sure. For <laughs> you sure. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, yep. it's always something that someone's got to kind of clean up because somebody else went in there and just kind of just messed it up, right. right? And this is one of those situations. And it's one of those situations. And, and corporate America's been trying to clean it up a little bit. But, you know, they how corporate America kind of responds to, to racism is a little funky. And that's what we're going to get into today, right? So in today's episode, we'll define really kind of corporate America's typical pattern of behavior when it comes to topics related to race and equity. And we'll share with you some examples of how those specific behaviors have kind of played out over time. And we'll provide some receipts like we normally do, those receipts on how corporate America's response to events have not led to the changes in leveling the playing field for all of us. And we'll close out with some secrets on how corporate America can hold itself accountable by breaking the cycle of predictable instincts and response when it comes to racism in America. So so now, Keith, as as we're starting to think about corporate America's like behavior, yeah, let's try to maybe define it, right? Let's, let's paraphrase, right? Like so paraphrasing like Audre Lorde's way of looking at this, she once said that when it comes to confronting racism, humans have three natural reactions. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is yeah. simple as this. Yep, three natural this. reactions, right? Number one, ignoring it is the default response, yeah, right? Like, say, whatever. Yeah, it doesn't apply to me, doesn't right? Apply. Like, you know, or I'm just going to pretend like it didn't happen, mm-hmm. right? Number two is if you can't ignore it, then you tend to copy the behavior if it works in your favor. Oh, of course. Yeah. Right? Like, right, it did, right. don't bother me. That's like, right. it, that didn't happen to me. Mm-hmm. Like, so then you, you know, try to copy, you know, some of the behavior, right? That's right. But number three, it's like you destroy it if you feel threatened by it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. we see this. All the time, right? But yep. this is the same cycle that corporate America uses also, right? Like, oh, for I sure. Mean, we see it, you know, either ignoring, you know, uh, copy copying it. it, or they try to destroy it. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, you know, Ricky, we've all seen that ignore response. Companies will use phrases like, that's over-exaggerated. Why are you making a big deal out of this? <laughs> or, he really didn't mean it that way. Why are you taking it so personally? It's so hard. Or, there's no budget for that. Right. We didn't heard that one. Or, we'll look into that and get back to you. Crickets. <laughs> you ain't hear crickets. shit yeah, <laughs> for a crickets, long time, right? right? That's the typical ignore response, right? Right. No, and it's sad that it took a pandemic, the murder of George Floyd, 
an insurrection at the Capitol for corporate America to finally wake up and stop ignoring what black people and other people, underrepresented people, have been pointing out for generations. Generations. This stuff has gone on for a long time. I mean, I mean, I can't tell you how many times you know, we see some stuff and like we're like kind of numb. You know, mm-hmm. to it, and we yeah. see it. But, you know, some of our white counterparts are like, oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I didn't realize it was this bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so it's almost like, oh, shit, that's what you meant by two systems of justice. That's right. <laughs> oh, I probably could have done more to keep us from getting to this point. Like this, this again, yeah. we talk about okay. like having a bit of a reckoning, right? We even mm-hmm. had blogs, mm-hmm. you know, last season about it, right? As many of the dominant leaders in society now look at themselves in the mirror, they're actually embarrassed mm-hmm. and they don't really like what they see, right? And, no. that, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, they know some right. of the stuff's been going along or going on for a while. And we talk about the ignoring that's stuff. That's right. You know, that's but right. it, didn't really Im- it didn't really impact them. Impact them. You know, that's right. it didn't really impact them. And the thing that's crazy for me, Ricky, with this ignore thing and, and kind of the awakening mm-hmm. is that like all of a sudden, all this money is available for black causes, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And companies are trying to listen to them black po- employees. And even with the insurrection, now they got the nerve to be cutting off donations to racist politicians. It's like you've been greasing those pockets all this time. And right. now it took an insurrection at the Capitol for you to like say, oh, maybe I shouldn't be giving money to these people. Or are you scared now you're going to get caught on the table right. or on the carpet? Like right. we, we, We've been telling you. We've been telling you. This. <laughs> That's right. So it's almost actually disappointing because most of corporate America has kind of ignored this deplorable behavior for at least four years. Right, right. It's probably been 100 years that mm-hmm. they've just been ignoring all of this stuff. And the thing that just really gets me, Ricky, is that companies they have all these glowing diversity statements and they put all these black and brown and lgbtq faces in their marketing campaigns but then they just continue to ignore just the lack of humanity and straight up racism that's been coming out of people's faces yeah right (laughs) right right, you know it's like lower taxes and deregulation and access to power are more important than anything so (laughs) if i'm not getting one of those i'll just Sweep it under the rug. Right. Again, I'm going to ignore it because it doesn't really impact me. Right. right? Mm-hmm. You know, in my mind, it will be interesting to see how long this newfound support lasts. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, a lot of people was already saying, ooh, I can't wait to 2021. Right. Because, you know, when you when you turn the calendar goes from December the 31st to January the yeah. 1st, People take the clock reset. Well, I mean, we it's a do-over, right? It's a mulligan, right? right? right like, right. all that shit that happened before, all mm-hmm. those black lives that was killed, all of those protests and everything else, we're going to start over because that stuff don't count now, right? right. We done got past mm-hmm. it. It'll be interesting to me, though, just to see how people react, right? Is this a moment in time where we see people really sacrifice their privilege to change the paradigm? Mm. <laughs> that I don't know. Man, that privilege. I don't know. It's a powerful I mean, drug. <laughs> I mean, have you ever went to a club? Well, when we was able to go to clubs, go to right? Clubs. Have you ever went somewhere? Have you ever went somewhere and you was on the guest list? You know, oh, yeah. and then you walk up and you'd be like, I'm passing all these motherfuckers, right? right I'm going right. to the front. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Have you ever then, like, or you get all the way up to the front and then all of a sudden, like, your name ain't on the list? Yeah, the list. <laughs> and now, 
you you didn't spend 15, 20 minutes trying to figure out why your name wasn't on the list, and now you got to make a decision to go to the back That's of the right. line. And walk all the way back past all those people you've been talking shit to, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they laughing I mean, at you. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's one of those situations, right, where is this just a pausing point where everyone finds a new covert way to keep doing the same shit that has always been happening, or will we find another way to make America great again? Oh, boy. <laughs> you know oh, what I'm saying? Boy. Like, this is one of those times, man, where one of those this times. is the fork in the road. This, this is, is really it. the fork this in the road. This is it. And, you know, when you said that, it kind of triggered me a little bit because it reminds me of a text that we received from one of our listeners. is a black woman that we received over the holidays. And she told us about she walked into her office and on a computer monitor in her area there was wrapping paper that had Trump and MAGA wrapping paper in now, the office, in now, her area. Now, and it wasn't no gift. In it the wasn't paper. no gift. <laughs> this stuff was just, a, it was, the computer monitor was wrapped in MAGA Christmas paper. So she went to her manager to talk about it, right? And instead of getting support, she was gaslighted. Literally, her boss told her, asked her to pull herself back and not to be so sensitive. Hmm. This is the ignore, hmm. right? And to make it worse, she was told to kind of deal with the situation herself and go talk to her colleagues and follow up and see if they were willing to, like, adjust their behavior. So the onus was on her. The onus was on her. This is a bull. <laughs> and look, I know that these types of things happen all the time. Last season, we talked about microaggressions. This right. year wasn't even microaggressions. No, this is a macro as hell. <laughs> right. right. This was like, in your face, deal with it. Right. You know, mm-hmm. deal with it. Deal right? with it. The right. other response, Keith, man, that, that comes to mind for me, because, I mean, this stuff, you know how I get. This stuff just makes my, my blood boil. Yeah. Okay, I get real hot about mm-hmm. this, right? But the other response that gets me, you know, is when companies try to copy shit that we yep, do, right? Yep. Like they steal our language, our music, our style, like the culture in general yeah. is like under attack, right? But they try to make it mainstream and sell it to white folks to make money. To make money. It's all about <laughs> right? that bottom line. And, and, and I get it. I, all I, about that line. I get and, it. And it's true, Rick. It's, I mean, it's something as simple and innocent like stealing our handshakes, you know? We did the high five first, you know. That's like thirty years old, but we couldn't even have the high five. That got got the dap, yeah. You know, all of our little fun handshakes—they just still the shit, yeah. And yeah. then use it to make money. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, think about like even when it comes to like the dances, like stealing our dances. Now I know, like, look, y'all. I know y'all gonna try to clown me because I'm kind of dating myself, right? But <laughs> we're over here talking about the electric slide, like the the hustle, hustle you know. Hustle. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> about, I mean, don't let like the damn Cuban shuffle, you know, uh, right. come on or something That's like right. that. One of one of them things, like, oh my god, like they love it. They love being it. able to say that I know how to do this too, right? Like our music, you know. Now you think about you got Eminem. Macklemore. I mean, look, I'm not saying that they're not good performers. They're not talented. Okay. That's right. But they they always get the Grammys. They get the Grammys right. every time. I mean, they get a Grammy before Snoop get a Grammy. Right. Like, come on. Come on. Brian. 
You know what I'm saying? He's not for Snoop, man. You know, they get these Grammys, right? But anyways, I mean, but we talk about like the culture getting stolen, but I mean, we're making fun of it, but it is like a serious that's thing. That's right. And that's a response, right? And so it's that money and profit motive that makes this whole thing like kind of disingenuous, right? Because most of the time, there aren't even black people or people of color at the table helping to make these decisions about how our culture is being used for their benefit. Mm-hmm. And it's also why a lot of times those attempts to like copy shit gets all fucked up. Right? <laughs> right? They be making mistakes all over the place. What we meant was, right. <laughs> I know what we tried to do. Right. They got to recall stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right. Man, say less, right? I mean, we've been at corporate events, fundraisers, and events on a much smaller scale where this happens all the time, right? I mean, we see it all the time. But my brother, there was not a better display of this (laughs) than when we saw that 4th of July celebration at the White House not too long ago. Uh, Remember when Trump was in office and it happened? All right, I'm going to keep my composure. But (laughs) he said... Did you see like when the mil- the performance uh, of the military band when they were singing Bruno Mars? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh Lord! Hey, like like my grandmother used to say when you're talking bad about somebody, she said, "Lord, you know my heart." You know my what I'm heart. saying? Cause I, because man, my heart's on the game. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. But now I love and respect the sacrifice that our military veterans make for our freedoms. I absolutely yeah, uh, appreciate that. Cause absolutely. That's, cause, cause Real talk. It is, right? Because we enjoy a lot of things. But that damn performance right there. Yes. Man, that was some high garbage, was man. High, it, high it was like, it was worse garbage. than being on the cruise ship, man, and, uh, and watching somebody perform. It was... <laughs> It was bad. I mean, I couldn't even. You know, like when you and when you when you was in church, like when you was younger, and somebody get up there and they try to sing in the choir and they struggling a little bit. Then you you hear one of the uh, the aunties or the uh, the mamas in there to say, uh, "Take your time, baby." Yeah, that's right. <laughs> take your time, baby. I was like, "Please hurry this up. Do, do not take any more time on that's this." That's right. One. Don't finish this up. Finish it up. <laughs> finish it up. Erica, this. I mean. For me, when you, these responses are so typical, you ignore it, you try and copy it, yep. you know, as a response when you see this racism. But the worst response is when they just try to destroy us, right? And this just comes down to implementing racist policies and procedures, things like underpaying and underpromoting us, denying us opportunity, devaluing our ideas and opinions, and Really, I mean, there's there's no leadership training to instill the right behaviors to kind of break this systemic issue, right? I mean, you think about, I mean, I know we're picking on this last administration today, but just think about that ban on diversity training. What the hell was that? And well, luckily it was luckily it was just recently suspended since he's not in office anymore. Right. But but that's where we're talking about like destroying yeah you know things that was a blatant you know example that's right it. and basically it's like i'm empowering this is where it's that's gonna right. be and it tripped companies up for yeah. a minute right because companies are like i can get i have some real legal exposure here if i even just do a little diversity training at my company right right can't call it a training can't call it a training <laughs> you know? yeah to come up with other stuff keith i mean that's a very real 
again, we joke about it, but it was very real. Very real. You know, very real way of trying to destroy with policies and, and practices, trying to destroy yeah. you know, part of the culture and things that we're trying to put together, right? But also like eliminating like local programs or the funding for the programs designed to level the playing field to assist underrepresented groups, right? Yep. This is another yep. way yep. that we kind of end up destroying things, right? And then if I double click on that just a little bit, then we eliminate the similar opportunity programs that allow those same underrepresented groups mm -hmm. to attend college. Yep. But the kicker in my mind is when you have the large corporate programs as sponsors yep. that end up donating large sums of money to those organizations mm -hmm. or programs, and then they end up pulling interns from these same programs and communities that perpetuate this system. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just know what I mean? Just... <laughs> when, you, when you think about all of these different titles, like these civil rights titles, yep. you know, that our forefathers, MLK and, and John Lewis and all of these folks, they, they did a lot of fighting and bleeding, yep. you know, for us mm -hmm. to be able to kind of have these things and just to be able to shut it down with no diversity training or to make you not have to have diverse slates when you're trying to interview people or to make it not even be available for you to be able to attend the same universities when we know there's a deficiency for us to be able to attend in the first place. Right. To right. not even have like a opportunity program for you to right size for, for, those to wrongs. Even do it. That's right. To even do it. And you talked about it a little bit earlier, but this very real response to how the system and kind of corporate America shows their cards <laughs> when they're trying to destroy us. I had to go back to that insurrection. It's mm -hmm. still burning me up. And we've both heard people talk about the comparisons, but you think about that again. Can you imagine what that scene would have looked like, what those arrest numbers would have looked like, what those casualty numbers would have looked like if that was black and brown people trying to charge the Capitol? I mean, well, we already saw like what it was like when they was around the corner from the Dan Capitol, you know, when it was a Black Lives Matter. Right. We right. had tear gas out there. We had the National Guard out there. We had more than just the Capitol security. Right. Yeah. It was real. It was real. It was real. They were trying to crack necks over the summer. They was looking for people. They, they were was looking, looking for people. They, 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 they knew where to go. They were trying to shut it down. And I think... With corporate America, sometimes when these when these issues come up, the responses continue to pile on with that with kind of some of those damaging impacts. Yeah, well, either, but, either intentional or unintentional. But you know, like as you were talking about, imagine what if? Like, could you imagine what the response would have been with if if our black leaders and the few CEOs I'm counting them on mm -hmm. one hand and Fortune One Hundreds companies. What it would have looked like had we done a portion of the damage that took place during that insurrection. Oh, yeah. A portion. <laughs> a portion. I mean, because look, it was a lot of high-ranking corporate leaders involved in the insurrection. That's right. They were in the building. <laughs> in the building. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that white cat that sent out an apology letter after the fact. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. or I didn't know it was going to go this far. But thinking about all of this stuff. That cycle of ignore, copy, destroy, I mean, the impact that that has, it continues to perpetuate the system where black employees and other employees of color just continue to be oppressed 
by and distrustful of corporate America. Yeah. Right? I mean, look, Keith, look, the bottom line for me, man, the moral to the story is we cannot continue to be surprised at what happens in times of crisis when it comes to corporate America. Again, it's sadly predictable, but history has been the best indicator for the future for us, right? Yeah. We've seen it before. We've seen it before. Like, again, we're not making the stuff up. <laughs> you know, That's this right. is kind of what happens, right? But Keith, like, talk about like some of the potential negative outcomes, you know, if you can, in consequences for, uh, for if... This cycle. Yeah, it just keeps <laughs> this continuing, This whole cycle, right? that's right. And I think the first one that we just talked about, I mean, you're never going to have, like, loyal employees mm-hmm. working this way. We're going to disloyal, disgruntled, and then they then we become angered, <laughs> you know, when you ain't responding in the right way at the end of the day, right? It just... All of that stuff just adds up. And so, but then we get labeled with being the angry black man or the angry black woman or the whatever, right? At the end of the day. Yeah, no, I, I think the other piece is just a continuation of oppressive and racist systems, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's another, you know, negative consequence, right? Like it's, yeah. it you're not trying change. to fix it. Yeah, you're not trying to fix it. It's, it still exists. And, and, like, and like they told my sister, right? Like, hey, um, Fix it yourself. Fix it yourself. You know? They did. Yeah, go, go on handle it. Quit being so sensitive. Don't be so sensitive. And putting my finance hat on, one of the negative consequences of this whole cycle is really it's a lost market opportunity. We don't trust you. Mm-hmm. So we're not stepping up to buy your products <laughs> at the rate, at the quantity, or whatever that we could be doing. Or we're just not buying your shit at all because we just don't trust trust you to invest in us. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you know, and you're talking about your finance hat, and I'm thinking about like my HR hat right mm-hmm. here, and I'm thinking about overall employee engagement. I think that a negative consequence here is actual low engagement because, again, as you were talking about the lack of trust, as employees, we don't believe you. Right. We don't believe your actions are sincere. Mm-hmm. You know, it might even be you waiting to put out a response Right. Or to react or to maybe you're not even being proactive. You're just reacting. reacting. Or again, you're copying what everyone else does and not really taking a stand for it. Mm-hmm. So again, that may cause low engagement. It's like, why should I put myself out there? Or why should I even really open myself up doing these town hall meetings? Town hall meetings. These, That's right. these, these sessions where we're saying, hey, how is this impacting you? Like, why am I going to keep telling you the same thing? You're not doing shit about not it. Not doing shit about it. Or you putting out those videos or those email messages that we know somebody else done wrote. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> yeah. So, but you know what, Keith? Look, I, I, I want to just make sure that we remind our listeners here. I know it may sound like we're getting emotional <laughs> That's about right. the stuff, right? Because cause this right here actually does hit us in such a different way than maybe other uh, topics. I mean, us being in senior leadership, you know, positions, we deal with some of this stuff quite frequently. But you know what? This is that time where we give maybe a little bit further, you know, insight and we talk about some of the quantitative or the qualitative pieces here with those receipts. Those receipts, baby. So hit them with those receipts. That's right. We're still doing it in season two. We'll share some receipts today on experiences of black employees in corporate America. And again, we're not discounting the racism that other groups of color experience, but we wanted to specifically today focus on receipts and focus on that a black experience in corporate America. 
And so receipt number one, there's a recent report by Coquel called Being Black in Corporate America, an Intersectional Exploration. And in that report, 65% of black professionals say that they are very ambitious about their careers versus 53% of white professionals. Mm. Yet, by a six to one margin, black professionals says is less likely that they will see someone like them achieve a top job at their company. And black professionals, they have the receipts to prove it. Only 0.8% of CEOs of Fortune 500 companies are black. Only 3.2% are in executive or senior management roles. And only 8% of us are even in professional career roles. So look, man, it ain't about lack of of wanting. Right, you know, it's right. not like not having we the want to be there. It's not like you don't have the aspiration, right? You know, to do it. And we've shown in other uh, episodes that we have the talent out there; they yep. exist. Mm-hmm. It's just about doing it. That's right. You know, it's about making it That's happen. Right. And we don't believe it's gonna happen because we know the cycle. Yeah, I mean, corporate America's We've predictable instincts. Right. <laughs> you know, right. the best behavior and uh, the best predictor of future results is past behavior. Bad behavior. Right. Receipt number two. The report also points out that black professionals experience higher levels of racial prejudice and microaggressions than any other group. 58% of black professionals report experiencing racial prejudice at work versus 15% of white professionals, 41% of Latinx, and 38% of Asians. And it's even higher in the Midwest. You know, look, and I, look I grew up, well, I yeah. was born in the Midwest. Born I grew up in, in LA, but That's I was right. born there, right? So Midwest, we talked about it even being higher. So the Midwest is 79%. Of black professionals yep. experience racism. Mm-hmm. And then the West is 66%. So, which is still high. It's still high. It's still high. That's right. But that <laughs> explains some of those issues that are going on with these tech companies. Yes. On the West Coast, right? Yep. yep absolutely. Like, those little microaggressions, that prejudice, all that good stuff. And receipt number three. So, you know, remember, Ricky, last year we talked a little bit about, last season we talked a little bit about these generational differences when it comes to elections. Yep. And those differences also show up. And some of the differences that show up with black millennials versus other generations of black professionals, those differences show up in this case. And when you think about the workplace, black millennials are more likely to leave to start their own ventures. They find that they have to spend more energy to be their authentic selves at work, which we talked about in a prior episode also. And they even feel like they have more pressure to represent their race than their colleagues. So just even within our own community, these millennials are feeling the pressure. Right. <laughs> right. They feel, And they're also feeling the system is even, probably even more oppressive right now. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, receipt number four. And let's talk about the plight of professional black women. Now, you know, we, we, we talk about the sisters all the time. Ooh, I got to breathe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> in a report by Lean In, black women are underrepresented in the workplace for many reasons. One big factor is a broken rung, you know, in the ladder. At the first critical step up to manager, for every 100 men promoted to manager, only 58 black women are promoted. 58. Despite the fact that black women ask for promotions at the same rate as men. Mm-hmm. So we're both there asking. Asking. <laughs> we're both asking. <laughs> and, <laughs> and for every 100 men hired into manager roles, only 64 Black women are hired. That means there are 
fewer black women to promote at every subsequent level, and the representation gap keeps getting wider. Yeah. So we're not even comparing black and white or any other no. thing. We're talking about just black and black right now. Yeah. And there's a gap that just keeps getting wider and wider. Wider and wider. So, you know, and we, we've we talked a lot about how black women get in the, the bad end of the deal. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about it a lot in season two. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So get ready. <laughs> get ready. So, Ricky, let's talk a little bit about the secrets. We've given given the receipts. Mm-hmm. And as we always do, we got something to say just yeah. in terms of secrets. So today, we're actually going to focus on the company and what a company can do. We're going to provide four secrets that companies can take to break their predictive instincts when it comes to issues about race. First, don't ignore racism engaged. Secondly, conduct a cultural audit. Third, work to eliminate white supremacy in your workplace. And four, you got to tie that compensation to this progress to create accountability. So secret number one, to go into more detail, corporations cannot ignore racist behavior and acts when they see them. You got to engage. Stop making excuses. Listen to your Black employees and their communities, and then reflect on what you've heard. Acknowledge the power and privilege structures in your organization and start conversations to change that behavior. Yeah, like let's not spend so much time trying to speak to how something didn't take place when we all saw that it did. We saw it did. Or trying to make excuses for what happened. That's right. Let's just talk about what happened. That's right. (laughs) Exactly. Let's just talk about what happened. Because at the end of the day, we know we're not crazy. We know we're not crazy. We know we're not crazy. Secret number two, conduct a culture audit. Understand the state of black employees at your individual company to get a real view of privilege systemic racism, microaggressive behavior, and black identity at your company. There are usually big gaps in trust and belonging that are key findings of these audits. Yeah. It comes out every time if you really want to know the truth. And just don't ignore what you found. Like don't again, ignore. When you find the data, don't try to shape the data into what you want it to That's say. That's right. Like, just read what it says. Just read what it says. <laughs> just read what it says. Engage. <laughs> exactly. Listen. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't shape this. Don't shape it. That's right. Secret number three, we have to find a way to eliminate white supremacist behaviors in the workplace. That's the bottom line. And just to give you examples, when I say white supremacist behavior, those include protecting power or defaulting to the status quo when you're making decisions. You exclude voices by moving fast because you're trying to get stuff done real fast, but you're excluding voices at the table. You're insisting on perfectionism for black employees, but giving a pass to your white employees. You have this paternalistic behavior of like you have to protect us from something. Or you're valuing individualism versus the team. You know, that I alone can solve it mentality or pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? And lastly, with this white supremacist behavior, you got to get out of this comfort zone of being comfortable with having only one black person at the table. I mean, but they get so used to it, though. Yeah, because you feel like you're doing something because you got one of us at the table. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, this this is good. This is a good point. Look, secret number four. And again, I am a firm believer of what gets measured gets done, right? Mm -hmm. But again, compensation of the top executives must be tied to making change for your black employees. 
So metrics should include the number of black employees in executive, senior, and professional uh, positions, diversity of talent pipeline, living values, and even 360 review feedback. This could apply to representation in your organization with respect to gender, Hispanic or Asian representation. But what we know today is that there is a definite deficiency with black representation. So again, I cement this is in my experience, I can tell you that when it gets measured and when it and it starts hitting your pocketbook. When it hits your pocketbook. Man, you start paying attention you to start it. You start paying attention, boy. <laughs> yeah. Ain't nothing like that. They wake you up real fast. <laughs> you know? Look, I can recall when my uh, niece got her first job and she got her first paycheck and she brought in. She goes, hey, Uncle, what does, uh, who is FICA? Who is <laughs> You know, she starts asking me all these. Yeah, right. she starts asking me all these things that came out of her check. You know, and yep. I'm like, let's start explaining it to her. You know, but again, if we had that same level of detail and rigor yes. associated with our leaders, and we held them accountable, yes, you know, for this behavior, and we started touching the pocket, right. Right. I guarantee you we'd start seeing some change. For sure. For sure. Some sustainable change. Sustainable change. I mean, there's a reason why companies focus on profit. That's what they're measured on. That's what they get paid on. Oh, yeah. Sales and and profit. Right, right. Right. So, so look, Keith, man, I think today, amongst any, any other, I mean, I like the fact that what goes on in the world today is always a gift for us yep. because we never have a shortage of shit to talk about. Never. <laughs> you know the gift that I mean? keeps on giving. <laughs> exactly. But again, we appreciate you know our listeners for being able to gain some nuggets, some secrets today. But if you want to find more resources on the secrets and the receipts that we share today, you know, just go on to our website, go on to secrets.com and look in the show notes for this episode and yeah. you can see it right there. We got a ton of resources. So all of those receipts we were just talking about, we got the reports so you can read through them at your leisure. So they're all there for you. Yeah. They're all there for you. Absolutely. So so now look, Keith, man, I'm excited about season two, man. We oh, we yeah. have some inferno material that we're going to be talking about, right? <laughs> we have some great, great guests lined up for them this, this, this season. Yes, we do. You know, also, but look, I'm happy you see us making some changes to, to, to some things because we want to keep elevating, you know, the game here. But again, just go on to our website, check out some of our secret vendors, Check out some of that gear. We got new stuff coming yes, we in, do. you know, every day. That's right. And again, if you like if you like what we're giving you, go on to Apple, write a review, yep. <laughs> rate us. We appreciate that. Follow us on LinkedIn. And also consider becoming a patron on Patreon. So again, we're planning to launch some some really nice features on on Patreon and content mm-hmm. uh, this year on Patreon. We're going to give you kind of go under the hood a little bit more, get behind the curtains a little bit more this year with secrets with some special special content. So you want to be a part of that. So sign up on Patreon to uh, help brother out. So so the, la- the last thing that I'll say on that though, Keith is is also like we have like our secret services, you know, and they go yeah. on there and hit that. Man, we've been coaching so many people. We've been helping folks get these resumes tight, getting their mouthpieces tight. I mean, we can go on here and talk about the 20 or plus people that we helped get more money in 2020. So we want to just keep on getting everybody their bread. You yes, know what I mean? Do. So just yes, log in there, hit us up on that on our on our coaching services, and let's make that happen. But for now, 
I mean, as as usual, I, we've been up here talking, and I don't have no more cupping, uh, no more ice in the cup, nope. no more drink in the cup. Like, Glass empty as hell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was just hard times over here, uh, man. So I'm going to have to go ahead and, uh, and handle that. But Keith, look, man, I appreciate you. Appreciate I'm you looking back. forward to uh, continuing working with you. And listeners, tune in next time, man. We got more hot fire coming. That's right. You. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thank you all for listening today. Hopefully you gained a secret or two that can be applied as your journey continues. If you are motivated and excited after listening to Keith and Ricky, please subscribe to our podcast, share with friends, and donate via Patreon. Check us out at www.secrets.com to get more information about our secret services. Don't forget to tune in next time for more Hot Fire. Until then, cheers. Cheers.